Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. On this episode, in the red corner, oh my god, a giant asteroid is heading for Earth! In 1998, Deep Impact. Last summer, two comets were discovered that are on a collision course with Earth. Oh my god. And in the blue corner, oh my god, a giant asteroid is heading for Earth! In 1998, Armageddon. This new one you're tracking. How big? It's what we call a global killer. Nothing would survive, not even bacteria. Armageddon. So what connects these two movies and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, fight fans. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And... I think we can almost... Shall we just get the connection out of the way to start this show? Because I think I did it in the intro, really. I mean... it's it's They're both dramas about fathers reconnecting with their daughters. Oh, that's true. Aren't they? <laughs> that's a nice way to yeah, start. Yeah, that's the, that's the connection, isn't it? But only in North America. Nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, Alex. You did say it. It is. It's giant asteroids. Two giant asteroid movies. Uh, who's up first? Mr. Deep Impact, Alex A. This week, I was given Deep Impact, in which a giant asteroid heads towards Earth very slowly, and Elijah Wood rides a motorcycle up a hill slightly faster. The smaller comet will hit first. We now have the details. Creating a tidal wave over 3,000 feet high. The larger comet is the size of New York City. If it can't be stopped, all life on Earth will perish. We have, to go. we have one helicopter to hold seven people. Um, all right, let's talk about Deep Impact. Um, the history of it is fascinating because Steven Spielberg was going to direct this. His producers on Jaws, Richard Zanuck and David Brown, came up to him and went, look, we've got the rights to this. Amistad ran over and so he couldn't do it, so they parachuted in Mimi Ledder, who went on to direct, at that time, the highest grossing movie in history from a female director. But... Man, is this slow. Let's start with the first 20 minutes of this movie 
and exactly who Ellie is. Guys. <laughs> Ellie is an album released by Buster Rhymes in December of 1998. Uh, Extinction level event. I think he was inspired by Deep Impact. Well, then Buster Rhymes saw something in this movie that I missed. Did you? I, I, it was such a weird experience because I. So the the initial setup, Elijah Wood spots an asteroid, sends it to a telescope expert who would have spotted it, but whatever. And then he um, puts the revelation on a disc because old internet lets him down. And then he gets killed and then delays the plot for a year. And I was like, oh, I can't have this. This is ridiculous. And then by the end, I was really crying. I found it really moving and really emotionally impactful. But Tia Leone finds an informant. She's a reporter for MSNBC and she desperately wants to be the anchor. And that whole subplot I could do without for the whole thing because you're just like, the world is about (laughs) to end. I'm sure she doesn't really care about having the job. She does. She really cares about it. (laughs) And she deserves it because she's just uncovered the biggest story in history. Yeah, but by accident. So there's this scene where she's with the president, Morgan Freeman, in the kitchen and there's some bloke in a bow tie. And if Morgan Freeman just hadn't gone, well, she clearly knows everything, she just would have been kicked out. They would have been like, what do you know? So let's just establish that she finds out that there's a secret phone line in this senator's office who's resigned. Tia Leone thinks he's got a mistress called Ellie. And Ellie is, in fact, this extinction-level event. It's the asteroid. And there is 20 minutes of this movie where they've had to construct conversations where no one ever goes, oh, so you know about the asteroid? Because at that point, (laughs) she'd go, the what, sorry? No, I mean the affair. And they'd be like, cool, 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 yeah, we meant the affair as well. You can go. She, she, finds to... out, she finds out, doesn't she, via pre-Google? Well, the trouble is, she then we then spend time with her in a film, which costs money to make, where she has to find out what she didn't know, which we already knew. Right. It's pointless. Sh- I'll tell you what the main lesson is. You want to be you want to be at one turning point, page 10. That's all you need to know. Hmm. You do not want to be page 25. And she's like, oh, is it a fucking asteroid? <laughs> <laughs> that bit with her dad. <laughs> she is so awful to him. And mm. he has... Not really, as far as the script goes, done anything wrong at all. He's not that nice. He dropped her on her head when she was a baby. Oh, we all do that. <laughs> we do. Have you? But have you? I have. I'll tell, I won't talk about it now. But yeah, I have. Um, well, it, and, and it's then really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> it's only bad because it's bad for all the obvious reasons. But you know, I listen to that murder podcast. And they are very much obsessed with this idea that you, um, a serial killer has these sort of preconditions to exist and abuse is one of them, so we're not doing that. But um, a severe head injury in childhood is a, is a common thing found in serial killers and so I have to live with that for the rest of my life and I have to keep an eye on that child to make sure he doesn't turn into a but serial killer. But you're a huge fan of that podcast. So, so I would be a little bit proud, yeah. in the it future. Would be a very conflicted <laughs> when he was in court and I'd be like, what baby? He's on there, you could be a guest, you could be a guest. <laughs> It's all my own work. Um, but it's interesting you say with there being too many story strands going on. There were there were two main writers on this film, Bruce Joel Rubin, uh, Bruce Joel Rubin and Michael Tolkien. And, and Bruce Joel Rubin said that originally it was going to be a three hour film. That's what he wrote. <laughs> what oh, a good idea that is. With, oh with, 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 with basically everything chucked in. Was and it then, not three hours? It felt like three hours. <laughs> it was quite a lot shorter than Armageddon. Yeah, it is. Um, Didn't feel like it. And then Michael Tolkien was brought in to reduce the storylines, focus on fewer characters, and keep condensing scenes until they had 
what they felt like they wanted. In his words, he was like, I wanted to have a bit of fun with that. I wanted ships crashing into skyscrapers. Yeah. But not even that. Whales crashing into skyscrapers. I would pay to see a whale fly through the Empire State Building and just take the top of it. That is, <laughs> that's something that we've not seen. You need to talk to Michael Bay. He'll do that for you. <laughs> Yeah, if he wasn't stuck in Transformers land. Armageddon just reminded me of how much of a waste it's been giving Michael Bay the Transformers franchise. I miss old Michael Bay. <laughs> I really do. Even I do a bit, and that is saying something. But we'll get on to that. So just to give you an idea of the difference in tempo between these two movies, Armageddon, they find the asteroid, and they've got 18 days to save Earth. In Deep Impact, they find the asteroid... Over a year. <laughs> Over a year to just mull and talk and have president speeches. By I'll tell you who earns their money in this. Morgan Freeman earns yeah, every cent. Good. Yeah, he's good. Although I liked the speech. was like, you will continue to pay your bills. It's like, I fucking wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking to. I it's... think they wanted to make a more cosy film than that. It really, But you're absolutely right. It's a rose-tinted view of what would happen if yeah. the world was going to end. It's like we'd all come together. <laughs> the most memorable scene is when Elijah Wood says to his teen girlfriend... We have to get married. It's our only chance to survive. And she looks absolutely gutted. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe it. No, it's a it's a hilarious way to propose to someone. It's it's marry me or die. Yeah, and she, it's not even like she's like, oh, that's brilliant news. I was like, I was kind of waiting for you to ask. She's like, oh, fuck, really? And he's like, yeah, really. And I'll save your whole family as well. Don't forget. And then he doesn't. There have been many ways that women have been tricked into marrying someone and this is quite something. That is absolutely true because he's like, I've sorted it. Yeah. I, I don't know how, he sort of really vaguely explains. He says, like, I've talked to the government. Yeah, or something. I emailed the White House <laughs> yeah. and your parents are definitely on the list and then they get to the bus and the guy goes, yeah, no, they're not on the no, list. They're, not, they're obviously not on the list. And Elijah Wood almost guiltily turns to her family and goes, I, I did sort I'm it. Really, I tried so hard. Vicky, you you saying you'd... Try, I tried sort it out and the dad just looks at him and goes well we're not on the list <laughs> are you saying Vicky you'd rather die than marry Elijah Wood it's not so much the marriage thing although that, that is obviously not great it's that she doesn't look happy about no, it it's... and he strong arms her it's into because it. I looked up their ages when they shot this film she's only 14 <gasps> you're joking yeah, I think so. how she, old he, is he 16 oh that's not good can he legally marry her when she's 14 well it's America isn't it Maybe our American listeners can write in. I don't know, but I certainly wouldn't be marrying Elijah Wood because he's incredibly disorganised in this movie. For example, <laughs> he not only fails to put her parents on the list as promised, but he takes what I'm imagining is a three-hour bus ride to get to safety before he then goes, sorry, you know what? I'm probably going to go back for her. I've no mode of transport yeah. to get back to her in time. <laughs> that's the other unbelievable. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that's unbelievable. But the one scene that really fell flat for me is he's with Elijah Wood is with his own parents at the entrance to the caves, and he's like, "No, I'm going to go um, back for Sarah." The limestone tunnels in Missouri. The limestone tunnels in Missouri. Um, and he decides he's going to go back for Sarah, and his dad sort of goes, "Oh, are you sure?" And his mum's like, "Oh, don't." It's like, "Are you? Mm, wait a second. The world's about to end. That's your son. 
I, you, you're not going to let him go. I'd be like, sorry, God, he's just tried to, and then get them to shoot him in the leg, and then I would drag <laughs> him inside. That's your child. You'd drop him on his head, wouldn't you? <laughs> but he's, <laughs> but he's in love with a fourteen-year-old. Fuck it, don't care. That's my child. Just because you want to get your end away, no. This is this is bigger than that. So you've got you've got Tia Leone and Elijah Wood running around like headless chickens on the ground, but we've also got people going up into space. Yeah. And do you know what? And that's the weird thing. Like, I had to watch this twice because I was like, did they develop those characters at all? Mm. Yeah, you wonder You wonder what was cut out if, the, if, if there was, say, a, a three-hour cut of this. You imagine there was a bit more of Duval and his sons and... You mean at the garden party when yeah. all the astronauts are <laughs> saying goodbye to their families and his, like, pod people, yeah. super soldier sons who look like being bred in a I tank. I thought they were his bodyguards for ages until he was like, well, boys, I remember saying to your mother, like, what? You didn't have... What I meant to say was you didn't have a mother. I've been breeding you as a new race. They are, look like terrifying, they are terrifying. robot soldiers cyborg children and they don't say anything they just go yes father <laughs> but you did have some very familiar faces in that team you had John Favreau who we know from Swingers but is much better known for being in Friends I mean it's great when you have someone of the calibre and experience and just a wonderful screen presence of Robert Duvall and you give him the name Spurgeon Fish Tanner <laughs> yeah his yeah. name is Spurgeon in inverted commas, Fish Tanner. Yeah. I'd rather they called him Mr. Tanner, Commander, Spurgeon even, but they refer to him as Fish. Fish, but yeah. fish. <laughs> Are we getting close to the asteroid, Fish? But wouldn't you quite like him to read Moby Dick to you? That was really sweet. As happens in yeah. this film. And did you notice he gives Oren um, his signet ring at the end? Did you? No, I thought they all got a signet ring because that was what they got for being astronauts. Oh, really? I thought it was like a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Like is, that, is that how astronautry works? <laughs> oh, I thought it was a... Well, oh, I all thought right. they all had them. But maybe because if the stuff that's been cut out, that could be a... Have my ring. Thanks, fish. <laughs> I will say that that whole limestone caves thing is irrelevant by the end, though, isn't it? Because those limestone caves are only if the uh, extinction-level yes. event hit. Um, I have some concerns about those caves, though. Like um, they're for one million people to survive there for two years. Mm. Um, a computer randomly selects eight um, hundred thousand Americans to join. Um, Two hundred thousand scientists, doctors, engineers, teachers, soldiers, artists. No one over fifty though. Party! <laughs> yeah, but but would my question is would any of us have made it in? <laughs> Alex, are they doing red carpet premieres there? <laughs> I think it's highly unlikely. If Tia Leone, if Tia Leone can make it in, I can make it in because I watched her read that auto cue and she might be new, but that was like in 1998. There was no such thing as a podcast, so I wouldn't have made it in. Would you have made it in, Vic? On my um, artistic merit, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> no, what I would have done is I would have been in Missouri helping to build it. So when Morgan Freeman says this is a lottery, it's like not if you live in fucking Missouri, it's not because <laughs> I've paid someone to get me in here. Thank you very much. Can you believe? Like, what? Look again, Morgan Freeman, brilliant in this. But what? Who goes? We've built some limestone caves, <laughs> yeah, and, so and they're in Missouri. <laughs> yeah. It's like. Cool, so there's yeah. a lottery for... I'm just going to head down there yeah. and try it. Just try see my what lot. happens. We've got a secret location, is what you should have said, Morgan. <laughs> yeah. They're a secret, so people don't just run at them. Yeah. The traffic jams are pretty big on the way, though. Hey, I know who's... Why does... Um, 
whoever's family, oh, Sarah's family, they just sit and wait to die in a hot car. That really annoyed me. And, that... and, and people were getting ill that day when they shot that. It was a very hot day. They had 2,100 extras and 1,800 cars. They didn't use CGI. They just yeah. said to people, if you want to come and come and join the party and then <laughs> get sick, Bring get really ill. <laughs> we, there's a stream nearby. We're sort of filling it, uh, filling cups with water if you go. <laughs> We're filling it with dead bodies. Yeah, next to the toilets. What toilets? Oh. <laughs> no. They had toilets um, hidden in trucks. That's from a documentary I watched called Creating the Perfect Traffic Jam, <laughs> which is a hell of a, hell of a 10-minute journey. That sounds brilliant. How deep do you really feel the need to go? I still don't have a lot on at the moment. I did feel sorry for Elijah Wood and his girlfriend in that scene on the in the traffic jam because as his girl, as his wife, sorry, sorry, um, is leaving. Her mum is like, take the baby, take the baby. And I was like, oh, that's a buzzkill for you too because like, you were just about <laughs> to do it probably and now you've got to look after a baby for the rest of your life. But did, did you find it quite moving when the baby was handed over? It did, yeah, I thought the, ma- it did, the mama yeah. delivered quite, the mama? <laughs> the mother delivered quite a powerful performance yeah. there, I thought. It was I quite, mean, this is the mama. If you've got... <laughs> Not the mama. The mama delivered quite nice performance for Chris. <laughs> Little mama. Oh, he's being weird, <laughs> Now, again, I... Do want to go back to Tioni's father because while I have defended him more than I, I think might be necessary, it does seem a little bit like he turns up in the rain to pick her up and goes, "Look, I want to talk to you now." And Ooh, let's. This is a new impression. This is every week. I, I'm trying it out. I couldn't work out what his accent was, so this is just gonna... fucking went for it. <laughs> He's um, Austrian, Maximilian Schell. He's Austrian, I believe. Okay, so. <laughs> Maybe Austrian, Swiss. Uh, anyway, he turns up and he goes, I want to talk to you. And <laughs> <laughs> But his whole premise of going, I finally have found the time, is because his young wife's left him. Yeah. It's like, yeah. She's like, where's, where's your young wife? He's like, oh, yeah, she's gone. So what are you up to? Yeah, I can hang out with you now. <laughs> All right. Well, on the other side of things, I'll tell you who really owns this movie fashion-wise is Mr. Morgan Freeman. As things oh, yeah. get more and more stressful. Because <laughs> yeah. at the start, when he's like, look, we got the Messiah project, we got the spaceship, he's in a suit, he's handling questions. Then, when it starts to look a bit shaky, suit comes off, mm. sports jacket and chinos come on. <laughs> yeah. After that, he undoes his tie mm. when things are really going bad. <laughs> and then at the end, when he's like, I tried everything, the world is going to be destroyed, he's in a cream sweater. <laughs> <laughs> He's just relaxing into it. Yeah, oh, yes. Sports casual for the end of the world. Although at the end, when he's given the speech, going, we will. What does he keep saying? The water's receded. Oh, yeah. It also hit Africa. And you know what? The water's <laughs> receded. And you're yeah. like, is this a biblical thing? What I do like is that despite uh, a whole host of biblical references within this movie... It doesn't shy away from the supernatural either. Often in the same line. When the guy on the space shuttle is saying goodbye to his wife, he says, keep doing the church thing and I'll be there next to you. <laughs> Haunting you. <laughs> really? Haunting you? Why would you? I forget it. Was he having a laugh or was that was he trying to frighten him? Yeah, that's right. He was, he was working on his five minutes for the... <laughs> He's got an open mic gig that night just after the asteroid impact. Always working. What do you think of the haunting bit? The haunting bit? Does it work? Did it land? Now, um, I have a problem with this movie compared to Armageddon, which is that 
And I'm not alone in this because I do believe Richard Zanuck, the producer, said exactly the same thing to his visual effects department. He was like, you've got to make the asteroid scarier because the asteroid in Armageddon is terrifying. The asteroid in this seems almost benevolent, like mm. it's just on its on its way, it's minding its own business, it's bathed in this blue light. So what did they do, Alex? They put a face on the <laughs> front of it. They put a face on it. <laughs> did they? Yes, I saw this interview as well. They put a scary face on the front of it, but you can't really see it, but you can if you freeze it. What? Yeah. Oh, I didn't uh, I'm going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat you up. That's Watch crazy. out, planet Earth. I'm a coming. That's Galactus, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. It's Galactus. It's like a big like Pac-Man, like... Galactus. I didn't notice that. <sighs> yeah, so, um, yeah. But is that is that as deep as we're going to go on Deep Impact? Nice. We should say that on uh, it actually opened its first weekend. It opened bigger than Armageddon, um, but it got swallowed up by Armageddon when that came out just uh, over a month later. But it was a hit. Mm. Mimi led a... Made uh, on an eighty million dollar budget, it went on to make three hundred and fifty million dollars. So that is a sound investment, I yeah, would say. It was, and um, she then went on to make Pay It Forward, which was a flop, and that's why we haven't really seen her directing features. Unfortunately, she went off to TV land. She did The Leftovers on HBO, which was uh, very and, good. Until this year, she made that great Felicity Ruth, Jones, yeah, the Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg yes, film. She did, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the basis of sex. So she's back. Yes, but everyone hated that. I think no, it, no, it got really lovely yeah, reviews. Worry, yeah. I've read loads of bad reviews. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'll send them to you, not to like throw shade at her, but you know. What? Wow, we were be, trying to be so supportive yeah. of... Were you feeling nervous because she's a woman? I was just you trying to be just... supportive of her because um, she feels like it's been sexism in the film industry that's meant she's not directed another film, having yeah. made a series of hits. Which She is, had one yeah. flop and then she never got another gig. Yeah, She yeah. said it was... Uh, disheartening and deafening she described it as being put in movie jail Mm. after pay it forward was her one flop whereas male directors Mm. get to have numerous flops and aren't uh, immediately thrown in movie jail so exactly so let's stick up for alex and let's not kick her in the face like vicky just (laughs) great idea thanks chris yeah (laughs) don't you you dare (laughs) (laughs) don't you take that away from me that is mine (laughs) she started (laughs) um Nice to end that section on an awkward note. (laughs) If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm very excited to hear everything Vicky has to say about Armageddon. <laughs> Can I just ask one question? Because I think I must have been seven minutes into Armageddon before I sat there and went, I bet Vicky fucking hates this. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I was like, I, I was like, it almost feels like Michael Bay is just taking yeah. the piss out of you. It's very funny. There were certain moments I, I was thinking exactly was the, the same thing. Was it the moment th- where the Japanese tourists are in the cab and the, the lady Japanese tourist goes, I want to go shopping! Fuck's sake! Fucking hell! It was just every single additional layer of misogyny that was ladled onto this movie. I was like, I wanted to be next to you going... <laughs> What a thing it must be to be a man. That's all I've Oh, it's bloody awesome. I'm so happy right now. Uh, right then, let me just find my notes before we start. I've got a lot of shit yeah. on Armageddon. All right, here we go. Ready, Vicky? Vicky, uh, you had Armageddon. I watched Armageddon, where it's blue-collar America versus stiffs in suits when it comes to who knows more about blowing up asteroids. But that's a sentiment we can understand in the UK. Apparently, we've had enough of experts too, and look where that got us. Ooh. Is that the only intro you've written? <laughs> I tell you what, I've got one more. Are you ready? I watched Armageddon, where despite the fact that I don't like shopping or staring out of internal windows mournfully with big lips, I quite liked it. <laughs> I like that one. Well, so. I'm going to put both in. People can pick their own. <laughs> we have 18 minutes to zero barrier. So my notes go like this. So this is a Michael Bay film. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. This is great. This is, as I said earlier, it breaks my heart that Michael Bay disappeared off into kids movies. This was made after The Rock. The Rock and this back to back Mm. are his two greatest movies. I 
I don't know how to approach this, Vicky, <laughs> but I laughed at things that I knew I shouldn't be laughing at. Like the moment the guy names the asteroid after after his wife. Where he goes, <laughs> Are you talking about a vicious, life-sucking bitch from which there is no escape? She's yeah. really scary, though. Where she, what's his name? I can't remember. She comes in in her dressing gown. She's like, get down! Get down. I, want to name her, I want to name it Dottie after my wife because she is a life-soul-sucking bitch that no one can escape. Yeah, that's the bit. But, I mean, the first five minutes, there's a lot going on, isn't there? You, you, there's no question who is directing this movie yeah based on the bizarre narration oh yeah <laughs> From... no, but then i thought is that because it was a very it's very difficult to look back now and think was it genuinely that much of a more of an innocent time where people needed reminding that the world can possibly end at any second no it's because everyone Michael... gets taught that in school that no, no, no. It's because a lot of Michael Bay's audience are creationists. And so, therefore, Ooh. they needed to be educated about the dinosaurs. Jesus. It's a political episode. Hang on a sec. The world isn't 4,000 years old. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> OK, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you've got, saying that narration, the only actor who can go toe-to-toe with Freeman for narration. It's Charlton Heston, isn't it? Yeah, is that Heston? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Because I was all ready to go, who on earth is this faceless narrator at the start going, let me tell you a story mm. about God. the earth. It's God. <laughs> that you would have learned in school anyway. Because then it cuts to Space Command, which is a very Michael Bay uh, yeah. operation. Um, Do you mean NASA? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean space command. You've got you've got the Godzilla joke. Space fighters. <laughs> uh, you've got the joke at the expense of Godzilla, which is the film that it was going to be going. The other film it was going up against. Well, that oh, was yeah, Godzilla was everyone's. They had the money on Godzilla to be the big movie that year, and Armageddon trounced it. This was the highest grossing movie of 1998, over mm. half a billion dollars. And then you've got, and this is all in the first five minutes. You've got a cameo from Bay. Very briefly playing a scientist. And then you've got full-on Bayhem happening in New York. Mm. Um, so compared to the first five minutes of Deep Impact, it gets going a bit quicker. Oh, hell yeah. And it doesn't let up for two hours. There was one scene in this movie. People often accuse Michael Bay of not devoting as much time to character as he does to spectacle. I'd argue that when he devotes time to character... Ben Affleck ends up putting a animal cracker to go in Liv Tyler's pants. Why does he put a biscuit in her knickers? I didn't get what was going on. someone went, Michael, shall we have a little character moment here? He's like, oh, you mean the animal cracker in the knickers bit? (laughs) What I do. So oh the, um, the the commentary well, on he's this... He's doing an Aussie accent. He's like, the little panther, oh, yeah. he's, he's go, does he go up to the mountains or down into the undergrowth? And you're like, <laughs> oh, God, that's disgusting. I, but she lo- she fucking loves it. She's like, this is the most tender thing that's ever happened. Between two people, she's like, is everybody else doing this right now? It's like, I don't think they are, no, babe, no. to be honest. Um, that, <laughs> yeah, because that... he goes... I hope, I hope so. so. Yeah, because that makes you less of a fucking weirdo. It's so weird. You've brought these little biscuits on your picnic anyway. It does feel like a lot of Bruce Willis's crew. Can I can I go back to that quote though? Um, that came from a different film. What did? So Scott Rosenberg wrote their line about the animal crackers, and that was from a really sweet uh, romantic drama he did called Beautiful Girls. Uh-huh. And it got cut from that film, and he was like. 
I know what I can use again. Is it because he went home and <laughs> he's he, so happy? That with really it. annoys me. That's a man not being not taking no for an answer. Like, <laughs> he's gone home and gone. Oh, hello, wife. Hello, daughters. Just quick question: If you were in love with someone, but they put a biscuit in your knickers, would that be a amazing or be fucking terrible? And they've gone, uh, not good. And he's like, mm, okay, I kind of, I'm going to pretend I hear you, but what I'm going to do is just fucking shoehorn that into any film I possibly would can. Would it help if I told you it was an animal cracker? <laughs> Would that make a difference? Because <laughs> it is. It's an animal cracker. And I also, to that's like him going, you know that tender, romantic movie I made? I'm going to entrust the same scene yeah. to Michael to Bay. Michael Bay. <laughs> My God. Um, now, let's get into Bruce Willis's crew, uh, because once we meet his crew, uh, after he's fired off a shotgun on an oil rig at yep. Ben Affleck several uh, times. Before that, he's fired golf balls at Greenpeace. Oh, that annoyed me. That really, <laughs> obviously, that really annoyed me. Like, How did that annoy you? It's Michael Bay. He does that. So we go, people go, that's annoying. I listened to the commentary on this disc, which is all of them interviewed separately and then strung together. And it's amazing because there's a lot of nasty things being said on it as well. What, on the commentary? Yeah. They, about well, who? Who's famously, on the commentary? Um, so Ben Affleck does a bunch of stuff on it. Bruce Willis does. Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer. Those are the four people. And you, it's famously Bay and Willis didn't get along with each other. Mm. Although Willis spends more of it having digs at Ben Affleck's acting in it. <laughs> he is terrible. Um, but when, when, that, when that golf ball scene's happening, Bay just says one thing. He goes, this is my humour. <laughs> of course well, it I tell is. You what, Michael Bay, you've probably got a fucking limestone cave in Missouri for when climate emergency <laughs> wipes us all out. But I haven't. No, but he does have a jet stream. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he'll just fly above it. He'll probably or he'll, he'll have someone fly into it on his behalf. <laughs> I'll destroy this. Now, I think the I think if we're talking about Michael Bay's humor, um I think we really have to address the first few things Steve Buscemi's carrying. Oh my god. <laughs> Rockhound. Oh, no. uh, Rockhound says. So, uh, we first meet him and he's talking about how he had to help raise Bruce Willis's daughter Liv mm-hmm. Tyler. She says to Bruce Willis, she goes, "He had to take me to buy t- Tampons and show me how to use them. To which Bristy Buscemi goes, I, I, I told her, I, I didn't show her. And you're I like, mean, graphic, the imagery there, unpleasant. Those, they do come with instructions. Right. So it's completely unnecessary. Then the military turn up because they have to, they want him and his crew and they, they need his help to drill into this asteroid. And the first thing Steve Buscemi says when the military turn up is, I swear to God, she never told me her age. And there's quite a few jokes about him. And not being sure about the age of women he's been with. You can I say think what in the it 90s, is, him being a paedophile. Yeah, which in the 90s was 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 fine. It I wasn't think. fine! We go through this all the time! It was never fine, it's just that we weren't able to talk about it. It was less unpopular. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, us anti-paedophiles, we're having our moment at the moment, but I'm sure it will come back round. These things are cyclical. <laughs> um, yeah, because we see him in the bar when the military comes to yeah. pick him up, and he's he there. To the girl. He's like, mm. "How old are you?" Yeah, just yeah, to, yeah the rule of three. <laughs> um, but it's almost a blessing when he ends up with space dementia at the end because you're, you're like, at least he's not cracking risque jokes yeah. all the time. Yeah, he's very funny when he's got space dementia. He's very funny throughout the whole thing. Like I read, and I don't believe this that. 
when he read the script, the part was really clean cut and he wanted to do something a bit... Steve Buscemi wanted to do something a bit different. And then when he was cast, um, they just changed it to fit in with more well, what, on, that, on, how people think he is. On the commentary, they kind of said the opposite of that. They said that the stuff... <laughs> they said No, they were just saying that the space dementia idea was his and that he, he wanted to be the cleverest person because that's a weird sort of... You, he's, a, he's this sleazebag and then about an hour into the film, they say, oh, he's a genius oh, he's a as well. he's a genius, yeah. And so the reason he accepts the mission is he knows that we're all doomed, whatever happens, and he feels like it would be a laugh to be up in space fanning around yeah. rather than being on Earth waiting to die. Yeah. And so and so he sort of brings that space dementia on himself. But, but what he- is the message about... So this this is... The, it's getting the band back together when we get Bruce Willis and his crew to go up into space and they're the most ragtag, meanest sons of bitches you ever did meet and all that bollocks. Yeah, they but are. I really wanted to, to be. be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, even I did. I mean, that's what I say this to you all the time. Like As a female viewer, you're trying to put yourself into the headspace of someone and it can't be Liv Tyler, can it? Because she hasn't got fucking anything to do. So what are you supposed to do? So yeah, I empathise with that because there's a paucity of other characters for me to empathise with that would feel more... Not to, oh, she know. does get to look pretty pissed off when Billy Bob Thornton entirely misjudges yeah. the room. You remember when they slingshot round the back of the moon and he's yeah. like, nine Gs for 11 minutes? Yeah. Now's the time to start praying. Yeah. And looks round and Liv Tyler's looking at me like, yeah, she's <laughs> the guy's daughter and fiance, <laughs> yeah. so maybe choose your words carefully. <laughs> yeah, sort of apologise as well. Go When I said pray, I was just, it's a yeah, thing. It's a NASA thing. It's just a thing. It's actually an acronym. They spend a long time establishing them though, don't they, this ragtag group? Yeah, too group. long. Because you, you, you establish who they all are on the oil rig and then you do it again when they're all being chased down. Uh, because they've all gone their separate ways and dispersed. Then you do it again when they've got the interrogation scenes. And then you've got it again when they've got their last night before they head off. Character development. I Honestly, I think we get to know them, especially Will Patton's character, Chick. The guy Mm. who turns up at his, I guess, estranged wife's house and like the kid's there and he's like, oh, he's grown, but not as creepy as I just said. (laughs) (laughs) I was Steve Buscemi again. And, um, And like the kid goes, who's that? And she just goes... It's a salesman. And then when he's saving the world, that kid goes, yeah. Dad, Mummy, that salesman's on TV. And she's like, that's no salesman. Yeah. That's <laughs> your father. Yeah, that's the thing. I but love you- that arc. Do you know how many times I cried in this movie? A lot. Did you? Yeah. Lot, I so. cried at Deep Impact. I didn't cry at this at all. <laughs> um, but you say, though, that it's great character development. But what about the dude that who's part of the gang who asked for American citizenship for for a woman that he's dating, yeah, and then I can't remember seeing him again until we see that he's dead in the wedding pictures at the end. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what was he in the film? Hey, here's another move. We've got a common uh, theme going on: movies you don't remember Owen Wilson being in. I know <laughs> who dies early, but also but he was in Anaconda like the year before this, mm. and he looks completely different. He looks knackered. Do you not think? I'm. I, it's a weird thing because I've never seen him outside this movie with his hair swept back of his head. And mm. some people just look much better with a fringe. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's the only thing in this film that took me out of it. And I wonder if that's why they killed him early. Now, let's look at the cast. Oh, let's look at the song. We haven't touched on the fantastic... Aerosmith song (laughs) I don't want to miss a thing Yeah, this is an important part of this movie it was nominated for an Oscar uh, written by Diane Warren a a songwriting legend 10 Oscar nominations she wrote uh, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now from Mannequin How Do I Live from Con Air uh, 
There you'll be from Pearl Harbor. Don't list all ten. But what I'm saying is she's like literally soundtracked all my favourite movies and Pearl Harbor. (laughs) I think think the song is great. It's one of those songs that almost transcends the film it's in. But it got overplayed that summer to the point that I can't listen to it again. Um, and I did Well, then like you're going to hate the next it. three and a half minutes of this podcast. <laughs> and also, we talked about this before, but karaoke. Um, and I do love the karaoke box. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so good. It, it, it builds. So, Liv Tyler would have essentially <laughs> have sex with men in music videos to her dad's music and in this film she's having sex with men to her dad's music and yeah. it's like sorry something... I was singing I joined halfway through that <laughs> sentence it sounded uncomfortable what they just got that sort of they just you know they've just got that sort of relationship if they if they say it's fine I suppose it's fine He's a he's a very chilled out dad. Yeah, he seems it. <laughs> Just listen to the cast list in this stuff. It is an incredible cast: Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, Peter Stormare, Jason Isaacs being. Brilliant. Oh yeah, he's good. He's I really love good. Him so much. William Fitchner. Uh, it's. I mean, it's a. They've really assembled a great cast. Peter Stormare. I know. Is it someone, how it's pronounced? I don't know. I know someone, <laughs> and I should do because I was about to say. I know, I know someone who used to live in the same apartment block as him, and he is in a band. Do you know what the the name of his band is? The Messiah. That's a different movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's from a movie, but not this one. His name... The name oh, Constantine. Uh, the name of his band... <laughs> uh, wait, is it the, the Lost World? No. <laughs> He's in all those movies. The name of his band is Blonde from Fargo. Because oh. basically he goes through life with people coming up to him and saying, are you the blonde bloke from Fargo? Okay. And so that's what he called his band. Now, this movie was written by, coincidentally, I think we were talking about this on last week's podcast, Chris, Jonathan Hensley, uh, who wrote the spec script for um, a Brandon Lee starring movie before he died called Simon Says. Ah, oh, that they turned to Die Hard with a Vengeance. Well, it was going to be. I just, after you told me last week, yeah, I went, yeah. I'm going to find out everything yeah, about this. Yeah, I've got to make sure I'm fucking right. <laughs> but it was going to be, because right. Die Hard with a Vengeance, initially it was going to be a Brandon Lee script written by Jonathan Hensley. Like you said, it was called Simon Says. Mm. Then it was going to be Lethal Weapon 4 before it then became Die Hard with a Vengeance. And mm. he wrote it, which I think is... Uh, that is a funny connection. little connection. I like there. it. Oh, I'm glad you like that. That is good Tilly trivia. <laughs> <laughs> is it... We, does that just... It's just reared its head. <laughs> um, yeah, everywhere you look, there's someone of note acting. I would agree with that. I wouldn't agree that Jason Isaac's particularly good in this film. He's I good in everything. Good. It's his face. Yeah, yeah. And it's the fact that you know he's Jason Isaacs. Mm. He's hardly in Event Horizon and he's brilliant in that. Okay. I, uh, I didn't uh, hear it properly. I thought it said Liberate May Savers, but it says Liberate Tutome. Save yourselves. <laughs> Well, there we go. Regular Jason Isaacs segment. <laughs> You've got Tilly trivia. I've got quoting Jason Isaacs. Um, in, in terms of the casting, I've, I've got um, a quote from the commentary from Bay. He says, when meeting with the people at NASA, I realised that they are very simple guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a twat. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, they are not studly. They look like Billy Bob. <laughs> Like Billy Bob Thornton. And that's how he got the role. Billy Bob Thornton is gorgeous, so that's nonsense. Not in Michael Bay's eyes, and he is a director. (laughs) So he knows. He paid for Ben Affleck's teeth to be fixed. Oh, I read that. 
right. Yeah, yeah. And that's true. That's on the commentary. Yeah. Who did what now? Um, they sent Ben Affleck away and said your teeth need to be fixed to play this role. So yeah. he went away and did it. And then at the and what uh, he ground them down into spikes for a previous role. <laughs> <laughs> and then after the, after the film, when they were watching on the big screen, he turned to Buscemi and said, "You should fix your teeth as well." So and, Bay's got a real thing for bad teeth in mm. in actors. Yeah. He lives his life like his movies. I once got to hang out with him after a Transformers premiere and it was just like, it was all red carpet and like VIP areas, like magnums of champagne. I was like, oh my God, I'm in a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> what did you think of the strip club in this film? Uh, like I a church, it, wasn't it? It was very church-like. Yeah. Well, that's because that's where it. Michael Bay worships. Well, yeah. he says on the commentary, if I were to own a strip club, this is what it would look like. He definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> he must do. The favourite quote of his that I read looking into this yeah. was about the space suits. Oh, yeah. The thing is, I don't like... <laughs> I wonder if it's the one I got from the I commentary. But I do... See, yeah, it's, a, it's an annoying contradiction. Like his what attitude annoys me, but, but someone that lives his life talking like this, I do have a, a lot of respect for because he just doesn't care. So he was talking about the spacesuits, and he said, oh, "We had a big problem with our spacesuits. Our designer was French, and they do things differently in France. That it's not this big American movie making where if you don't have a spacesuit that works for a big fucking movie star, you are fucked." Yep, yep, yep. He said, "He said if you don't have cool spacesuits, your movie's fucked," which is true. And he talks for he talks for about ten minutes about these. Space Space suits and this poor French person who was doing their best and yeah. he just didn't agree with yeah. the direction they were going. I would have in. just rolled in there and gone, "You fuck my film, you're fired." Bye. Well, his his, on, his honesty is really interesting because he talks about make, trying to make films where commerce and art meet, and he, yeah. and, he, and he talks about the fact that the car that Ben Affleck drives is not the car that that character would drive, but BMW paid him a shit ton of money to use it in the film so he could then use that money elsewhere to make the film look better. Yeah, and equally with the armadillos, the um. The vehicles that they use are that have guns on them. Yeah, they, they have mini guns on the front. And that's because Mattel told him, you will not sell enough toys if you don't put guns on them. Oh. So he put guns on them, came up with a scene that they had a deleted scene, actually, where it, they tried to give some logic to them. It, it's explained that, that they're used to fire at oncoming objects. So that's what they're there for. There was a scene that kind of explained that. Please tell me there was a scene of aliens. Was it aliens? It was, um, (laughs) and the guns that they put on there was, he said it, which this was weird. He said, actually, that's a real life World War II Gatling gun. Uh, That gun killed a lot of people. He said that. Yeah, and it's like, about Whoa, that. yeah, why are you proud of that? But he's very proud of the fact that every time he's making a new movie, he basically goes to the military, yo, show me what you got, yeah. and the military <laughs> fall over themselves to show him their latest hardware. Mm. Then he just puts it in his movies. Mm. Well, there was a lot of... Uh... There was a lot of messages at the end of the film, if you look, thanking NASA. They th- NASA, they thanked them like three times. And yet at the same time... <laughs> Thank you, you pen pushers. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, nerds. You're not studly. And, is that a word? And yet at the very end of uh, the credits, there's a disclaimer yeah. saying the National Aeronautics and Space Administration's is cooperation like and assistance <laughs> does not reflect an endorsement of the contents of this film. No. So. But the, the swimming pool, that's theirs, isn't it? That's actually NASA's where yep. they do the training. Yeah. And then apparently Michael Bay walked into the command centre and was like, this is shit. This looks too realistic. So I'm just going to make it very dark, which is strange. I think people would need to see what they were doing and make it cooler. <laughs> I mean, he does make up a lot of stuff in this film, evidently. You know, Deep, Deep Impact is the one that's supposed to have slightly more accurate science. It's not that, now, but it's not that different, is it? Like, you're going to drill a hole in the rock. That's not that different. 
Um, can, can but we... in terms of there being fire in space... There is no fire in space. And he says, I know there is no fire in space, but it is a movie and most people don't know that. P.S. I don't give a shit. Um, yeah. P.S. <laughs> the asteroid growls at one point. <laughs> so I think we can suspend disbelief. That's so Bruce Willis can say, let's chew this iron bitch up. Which yeah. is like, if he wasn't enough of a man already, yeah. the asteroid's a woman. So that makes sense. <laughs> and you're going to drill a hole into it and fill it full of your rod. There is no better line in this movie than one line. And it sounds like... Like I've got a few written down. Yeah. I'm wondering which one this is. If, if you can do better than the line that basically sounds like it's right out of Spaceballs is when they're trying to blow up remotely the bomb from the command centre and the sergeant, the military guy goes, Sir, it's the override. It's been overridden. <laughs> <laughs> Spaceballs, it's like, Sir, it's Mega Maid. She's gone from suck to blow. <laughs> You've got you've got to respect the balls on some of some of the lines of dialogue. It's some of the manly sort of. I'm, I'm I don't know if these were the lines that made you cry, or not, Alex. But go on, hit me. When he says, "Houston, you have a problem," I told my little girl I'm coming home. Like I can't believe someone wrote that, let alone someone put that in a two hundred million dollar movie. <laughs> Can but yeah, I quite respect it. Yeah, Can I, I close my eyes and you do it again? So I'm not looking. I don't. At you. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> I want to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. I want to shake that. Oh, yeah, that bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. He doesn't know how to oh, fail. Oh, that's true. So that's terrible. That's not like, I want to meet you because you, you've done nothing, Liv Tyler, but that's probably not your fault. So I will frame you in relation to your dad. I want to touch you oh. because that guy's your dad, mm. not because you've done anything. But then she hasn't done anything. But then that's not her fault. That's Michael Bay's fault. So that's very difficult. I feel like I'm watching Gollum and Schmeagel have a conversation. <laughs> I just think, you've sp- Michael Bay, you have spent so much money and so much time. This film is two hours and 20 minutes long. Would it kill you for Billy Bob Thornton to have a moment just towards the end where he's like, well, we're fucked, we don't know what to do. And she's like, oh, hang on, I used to work up for an oil drilling company. I actually do know quite a shitload about oil drilling because my dad taught me everything he knows. I found the stuff on the asteroid... Slightly boring in this film, just like I did with Deep Impact. I don't know what it is, if that aesthetic I just find dull, but it felt predictable. And I mean, with this one, they just kept putting obstacles in front of them, didn't they? It was like fuel transfer and then fire and then slingshots and then being sucked out and then broken drill heads and then the armadillo and and the secondary protocol and the red or blue wire. And I I stopped making a list in the end because it was like, how much are they going to throw at these guys? Because now I really don't care anymore. And also, if you, so commanders, you call Commander Sharp or Colonel Sharp. Colonel. Colonel Sharp. If you're a trained astronaut, why are you also trained in bomb disposal? Like, he's like the classic cut the red wire or the blue wire. Why would he have the first clue as what to do? His job is to be an astronaut. Mm. So if he can also do bomb disposal, probably he could learn to do a bit of oil drilling as well. I would think so. I would yeah. think any astronaut could learn to, to, to drill work oil. a drill. Yes. yes. He's also very quick at the end when it's like someone's going to have to stay yeah. behind. He's like, uh, the show these two people <laughs> yeah, to fly it. Two people. At least two. At least two. <laughs> I need to fly. I can, you can't. One yeah. person. She couldn't do it on her own. Yeah, he's gone up the stairs already. See you in a bit. I honestly wish they still made blockbusters like this today, though. This comes from a different era of blockbusters. This is like $140 million this cost, and it was the highest-grossing movie of 1998. And you just don't get film studios spending that amount of money on original ideas anymore. I'll just give you the top two movies from the last... Original ideas. 
Well, it is an original <laughs> idea. Well, Deep Impact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should have this at the start of this podcast. Yeah. Right. They nicked the idea. All right, but not a franchise, not an adaptation. Sure. It's not It's not a superhero movie. It's not a Jurassic World movie. It's not a Star Wars movie. It's not a live-action remake of a Disney classic. It's none of these things. It's a movie that you like. You walk in, you go, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I do know what's going to happen. Um, one word for you, Alex. <laughs> Geostorm. That is truly two words. <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think it is. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, it would. I actually agree with you that it would be nice to see Michael Bay making films like this as well because I really, really enjoyed The Rock. I like The Rock. I mean, yeah. I just think if he's... All you need to well. do, the, the sort of the cool mob, the gang, they've all got their fun little trait. They're so, they're so blue collar. They don't want to pay taxes. And it's really uniform, like the tribe mentality. You can do that for your female characters and every single woman that goes to see your film will fucking love it. And then you'll make a shitload of money. Like mm. he has the talent to make people like it's complete and pure escapism. It's just difficult when you're not in that headspace completely. And it's very little. That's what annoys me about it so much. It's so little effort to correct. His thing is though, he's like, I'm, make movies for teenage boys so sue me that's yeah. my thing that's my vibe and, and, and Bruckheimer talks about that on the commentary he says that I'm much more in the headspace of people in their 20s whereas Michael just knows how to get in the head of a 14 year old boy and um, and, and that's why his films well, we'll work see. I hear he does love this show and you're his favourite on it <laughs> <laughs> um, initially though he the- does think you're a teenage boy though <laughs> Um, this initially, though, didn't even have the, the romantic subplot that plays such a big part in that finale. Um, they shoehorn that in after the success of Titanic. You can tell. <laughs> of course you can. They almost even literally plagiarise the score from Titanic yeah, yeah. and play it yeah. over those moments. Yeah, why do those two get on so well? Who knows? No reason. And I, I can't find much evidence of this because it was... Oh, no, I'm going to do me before the internet thing now. I can, I can remember. Right, here we go. Pull up a chair. I can remember. Things were better back then. I was then. really not going to do that this week as well because I'm annoying myself. But it's in you. It's just part of who you I, are. I remember reading, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was an Empire magazine, an article, a report from the Cannes Film Festival that year where they screened footage from this film for critics. And that happens more often now than it did back then because it was just really art house films playing at Cannes and it was the art house critics. So they played these 40 minutes and they had the scene with Bruce Willis at the end, the very emotional scene. And all the um, critics were pissing themselves. They were laughing mm. because they couldn't take it seriously. It was, you know, it was so overblown. And in the press conference afterwards, Bruce Willis had a massive go at them all, saying, "That's this is a great film. This is great acting, and it's, it's because you're only you're only watching forty minutes of the film. You're not understanding that. Well, it's not their fault. They're only seeing forty minutes of the film. Mm. Um, but I do find that scene funny." Which one? The one. The one where he's saying goodbye to his daughter over the. Yeah, and I shouldn't. Should I not be? I yeah, mean, you shouldn't be. I it's... watched when I watched that at uni. A lot of people were laughing because it's just it's bad. Uh, well, I just don't understand. I um, by that point, I am so emotionally invested yeah. in this movie that I I welled up. At that. I just wonder I... if there's something wrong with me. But no, I think I think there is a thing where you either like completely invest in a Michael Bay world and go and just mm. switch off. I mean, yeah. it's look, it's a cliche to go, leave your brain at the door. But with right. something like this, if you invest in its stupidity and its balmy logic, then there is emotion to be had here. But if you analyse it on any level while you're watching it, you will go, ha! 
What the fuck is this? Mm. And I don't like it when I feel like I'm being manipulated. And that scene really, I think that's what got my goat when I first watched it, is I just felt like I'm being told to cry yeah. rather than let it. But then to be fair, and I I think this was a good thing about Deep Impact because it did, it did make me cry, but th- that's a manipulation through children, which is the most basic way of doing it. So when um, Tia Leone makes her sacrifice and gives her place to carry from ER... And because, oh, it's all chilling. And Carrie from ER sat there with her child going, we didn't know where to go and she likes it here. And and it was like, oh my God. Like that's, it's very easy to make someone feel terrified. But also, what's the other? Oh, but then there's the, this is the same film when the um, Mary McCormack, the astronaut pilot Mm. is saying goodbye to her child Mm. over the, that's, I was just like, I'm gone. I'm done. I was crying my eyes out. You see, this is it. I was literally like, I'm like, oh, when she says, I love you, mommy. She's like, I love you too. Like, well, I was just done. Well, for. no. And to show that I'm not a monster. Did um, you shed a tear also? It, well, in Deep Impact, when I watched it in the cinema in 98, and then again, when I watched it this week, um, that, that scene when she's on the beach and she says, daddy. Yeah. It made me cry. Yeah. And so that was what pushed my buttons in some way or other. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, as you said, that, that that was supposed to be crowds of people on the beach, but the director said, no, if it's just this personal connection of you wanting to see that, spend those last moments with your dad, it was like, I thought, I found that really moving in a way that Armageddon didn't get me. Yeah. Do you know what it is with me and Armageddon? It's guys who have clearly made mistakes and <laughs> like screwed up in some way and having doing something amazing that immediately undoes <laughs> yeah. all the red and yeah. puts you straight back in yeah. the black. It's is that what this move. podcast is for you, Alex? <laughs> That's why. It's a dick move. Chick is like, I've run out on right. my relationship. <laughs> I've run out on you and my child and I've gambled away all our money, but now I've saved the world. So Balling no, my me. eyes out. <laughs> Literally <laughs> reaching for tissue after tissue. She's done the right thing. She's like, you shouldn't be around this. She doesn't say any of this, but I imagine she's like, you shouldn't be around this man because he's gambled away all our money and I've got you safe somewhere else. And then he does one good thing. And that's yeah, like, so fucking beautiful. <laughs> Meet your father. Mm. All right, then. It's time to take a look at which film does <laughs> It's better. So you pick these, Chris. Who would you like to go first with the votes? Well, because I know you want to go first, Alex, I'm going to say Vicky, because you always <laughs> want to go first. No. I have to say, <laughs> um, so when, I, it's exactly as you say, when I was watching Armageddon, I was like, you, I, can Im- I don't want to be like a cartoon character angry, but, <laughs> but I was. But then after, with a bit of distance from it, I, I really enjoyed the dialogue. Um, it didn't feel, you know, it's two hours and 20 minutes or something. It didn't feel like it. Um, but Deep Impact, despite, I don't know, I can't explain it. It just had more of, um, it just hit harder with me. Um, the stuff that's personally is odd, it's off centre, that child bride thing is weird. But I'm going to have to pick Deep Impact because it did have a deeper impact on me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even want to say that. That's so awful. <laughs> Why did you I say it? I just couldn't help I, it. You, do you know what? It's like an actor who doesn't believe in their line. I was not convinced it's, by that reading. Like when Chris said, I'm getting out of here, which he's going to say in a minute. And you, like, I just... <laughs> oh. We let him have that. We both chuckled at that. I know. Should we have chuckled at that? No. <laughs> right. um, um, shall I go? Yes. So... Um, I think they both have things going for them. But my problem with Deep Impact was I was watching a, a scene, a press conference at the White House. I went away and cooked a roast chicken, <laughs> came back, and it was still the same scene at the White House. And I must have been gone for over an hour. So for that reason and how slow it is, and because Michael Bay, 
I don't even know if he's a guilty pleasure. He is a guilty pleasure. I do know that. I just love his movies, or at least his movies before Transformers, although the first Transformers is all right. Either way, I just buy into that world of one-liners and very easy to follow story arcs <laughs> and it's like junk food and I gorge on it and I'm saying Armageddon. Okay. Which means the deciding vote this week is up to you, Chris. Yeah, well, it's a tough one, this one. Um, it is. But, you know, I'm flip-flopping a bit. I mean, I appreciate the artistry and the humour and just the sheer balls of Armageddon. I really do. But because I connect with Deep Impact on a much more sort of emotional and deeper level, um, it was my favourite film of the two in 98 and it's my favourite now. So Deep Impact's the winner. Oh no, you're going to be so cross. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) That's not even a thing. You can't actually think that. That's how we do things where I'm from. I'm fine. It's ridiculous. It's not a contest. It is. That's the whole point of the podcast. You you had Deep Impact. But you were pitching Deep Impact. You should be happy I picked your film. No, I'm not happy because Armageddon is the better film. (laughs) It it wasn't in 1998 and it isn't in 2019. Amen. (laughs) Right, so Alex has stopped speaking now. Um, Well, this is interesting. Who would naturally fill his shoes? Go, have your moment, Chris, do it. No, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, Well, you can let us know what you think about that decision. Um, I can tell you what everyone thinks. Bollocks. uh, If, uh, when, and as you'll inevitably agree with me and Vicky, you can message us at ClashPod on Twitter or show at ClashPod.com. Um, and we have next week's films to be picked. So, Vicky, I think it's your turn, isn't it? Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Um, Chris, I would like you to watch... Um, I've forgotten when it's from. <laughs> when is it from? Does it matter? No. Okay. Uh, Go on, tell us what, what it is. I'll just let Aerosmith play us out. <laughs> Speak over it. Um, Chris, please will you watch End of Days... Do you know End of Days? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. That's 1999. That sounds about right. Um, Yes. And Alex, please will you watch um, The Devil's Advocate? I can't make next week, I'm afraid. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'll tell you what, Chris. We'll just do it. Yeah, yeah. I'll do them both. Yeah. Um, At least we won't have to hear Alex's doubtlessly terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger impression for (laughs) an hour and a half. Who left the fridge open? (laughs) See, he can't help himself. Uh, All right, brilliant stuff. Uh, So we do have a winner this week, and it is uh, Deep Impact, much to my surprise. If you marry me, I can get you into the ark so you can live. No men and women over 50 will be included in the lottery. Don't worry about me. I'm going to be happy as long as I know you're going to live. To have and to hold. If the world does go on. To love and to cherish. It might not go on for everyone. To left in part. Thank you for listening. Did you give out the email address if you want to get in touch? I did when you were sulking. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, we've done that. Thank you very much for listening. Please do subscribe to us at Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts next week. It's End of Days versus Devil's Advocate. We'll do the connection then. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. We're getting out of here. Oh, good. <laughs> we're getting out of. It works. <laughs> Didn't have time to think. <laughs> did you mean to say I'm getting out no, of here? I was- all of us, we're getting out of here. It didn't really work, did it? I'll cut that. This was a Stakhanov production. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Boll Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Boll Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bollandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.